It's time to get back to naming fruits for a mic test. Fruits, I like nectarines. Good luck, Natalie and Leslie. You guys will be great. And to the rest of you, happy National Day. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Hello there. You've just tuned into In the Spotlight, and I'm Shirley Lin. Uh, today, I just can't wait to hear uh, her story. Her name is Marilisa Pia, who is actually Italian, and、um, she was living in London for some time. And then she said that she's been traveling,、uh, backpacking in Asia for some time, and then got stuck here in Taiwan because of the COVID nineteen. So,、um, and she actually went around asking, "Who wants to hear my story?" <laughs> and I can't wait to hear her story. So, hi, Mary. Hi. It's so good to have you. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, I'm really excited, you know, to hear your story. I mean, I'm sure there are other people like you who got stuck in Taiwan or other places in the world. Plenty、and、of us. <laughs> I know, and there, there's probably probably going to be a lot of you know books coming out, like next year or the year after, about all these people who wants to record their story, and it's worth it, you know. So, but anyway,、um, let's start from the beginning. So you're actually from Italy. Well, which part of Italy? Um, I'm from Milan. That's my where my family's from. Ah, I was in Milan for like three days <sighs>、um, back、uh, 2012, I think it was. I went traveling with my older, my oldest, you know, the older daughter. We stopped in Milan. I actually went there to visit a friend、uh, who's actually from the states, and she was living in Milan at the time. So that was very nice. Yeah, I lived there for 18 years of my life. 18 it's years. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. Yeah.、Okay. <laughs> very good childhood, I have to say. Yeah. All right. So then. Then、um, why were you in London? When I turned 18, I decided to try to live abroad and work abroad. So I had a big passion and love for Paris. So I moved to Paris first for、okay. a year. I really wanted to improve my French like properly. So、um, then at 18 years old, of course, like you just go crazy.、Um, I had this beautiful、uh, job in Disneyland. Oh yeah, for a year it was so beautiful. I would do that. I would do that again. Again, what did you do?、Um, I, you know, I was just in the theme park,、uh, working as、um, waiter, waitress, or like a cashier. It was nothing, nothing big. Whatever I could do at eighteen, I、oh. would do it. Wow! And then yeah, but you know what? I, I want my listeners to realize that Marie. I feel like I'm proud to call you that.、Mm-hmm. Um, is actually 183 centimeters tall. Oh yeah, <laughs> and 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 she's very tall. So much taller than me,、uh, the same height as my husband. But、um, I thought that you, you, you're perfect 
as a model. Did you ever have a chance to become a model? Uh, when I was 16, of course, living in Milan, you get stopped all the time. Um, you get asked if you want to join an agency. But there, that's, it's a dodgy word, you know, like you never know, especially when you're so young, you don't know what's, um, if, if they're actually serious agencies or not. So I did try when I was 16 with my, with my parents, oh, okay. but my parents were super against it. Uh -huh. So at the age of 18, when I could actually try myself, but I decided to take a different path, mm -hmm. which was more like the language learning and the traveling. Mm -hmm. um, it really didn't give me a chance to do. And I've never really been a crazy for modeling oh. and right now I'm you're actually, smart I'm, I'm, <laughs> smart woman. yeah yeah but right now i'm actually modeling in taiwan <laughs> yeah. well you need some kind of you know income anyway so why not right yeah okay wow you make me realize that maybe i've seen you like on the cover magazine or something on tv maybe oh uh, no 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 because no, you're that perfect big. for that because you're thin and tall and you've got a pretty face and long curly hair i but, think uh, that yeah modeling has never been like one of my biggest dreams let's okay. say Good I, for you. i had a big dream of becoming a volleyball player ah, yes, okay. i had a really big dream which and? i also kind of uh, succeeded on that dream this year <laughs> oh in taiwan hey, so. everything in taiwan <laughs> All your dreams are coming true in Taiwan. Yeah, that is amazing. Pretty no, much. No wonder why you're staying here. Anyway, we'll get to that in, eventually. Um, I, I want to go back and ask you, is it common for single women in Italy to think about going abroad and, and learn independence at the age of 18? Is it um, common? Nowadays, it's a lot more common. Uh, so, well, we have uh, very strong personalities in Italy. <laughs> we, we all know that. And sometimes... Um, women would struggle to find a man that can handle them. Like Italian women oh. are very well known to be, you know, very loud, <laughs> very dramatic, very, you know, um, not easy, not easy. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm like this, but I used to be. <laughs> You got tamed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so so it is nowadays more likely. Uh, I have a lot of friends um, and younger as well that that really uh, they got inspired as well by by me uh -huh. uh, or anyway by the new upcoming you know word to go abroad and try but they italian women are very independent yes that's oh, for sure i see yeah and besides you know um marie can also speak italian english but also spanish and french yeah yeah you have a love for languages and you've already mastered all those wow that's mm -hmm. more than me that's more than me wow that i can speak but anyway <laughs> I'm studying Chinese. <laughs> wow, you would. Bit. I know. So anyway, after uh, Paris, you said you spent a year there. Um, what happened after Paris? So it, Paris kind of introduced me to different cultures and uh, many different other languages. And my kind of, uh, I had this uh, will to explore more. Mm. I really wanted to see uh, more of what was about like um, out outside of Italy and uh, you know uh, France introduced me to a little piece of word but then um, I needed to see more than that mm. so I got um, kind of uh, transferred to Disney World in Florida in the you US did. from <laughs> Paris all the way to Florida in the US wow yeah. I guess you were performing pretty well I mean you know job wise um I mean the job 
it wasn't really my priority at the moment my, you know 18 19 years yeah. old i just wanted to like have experience yeah. learn languages and have fun so you actually asked them if you could be transferred to florida is um, that it yeah it was like slightly different i just give up one and i apply for the other one but okay. yeah you could have been transferred if you oh, wanted wow. to okay um and so I, what did you do there something different i, I actually wanted to learn just english but oh. i ended up i hung out with so many italians said so that i didn't <laughs> I didn't learn a word of English and especially the English, American English um, of Florida. It kind of sounded like completely different to any type of English I've ever heard before <laughs> at school. So the only couple of words I learned when I was um, in Florida was you're welcome <laughs> or please follow me. <laughs> That's it. Okay. I, ne- I didn't learn anything else. Oh. So that kind of got me thinking. I was like, well, I kind of wasted. Like I had a lot of fun. I, I've seen beautiful sceneries. Uh, Flori- Florida is quite beautiful, mm-hmm. I have to say. You know, it's a bit yeah. tropical, like, right. like Taiwan. <laughs> it's, right. It's warm all the time. Very yeah. humid. Mm, oh, oh, humid too. Very oh. humid. I've never been to Florida. Well, the, the 10 years I was in the States. It's uh, quite similar as a climate to, oh, uh, to Taiwan. Okay. Uh, anyway. Okay. I I I thought I wasted a little bit one year of my life having fun and How long uh, was exploring that? Oh, about a year as well. Oh, okay. So um, I was done with the US. US it wasn't right. Like it wasn't exactly my environment. Oh. I I didn't like the food there. <laughs> Because um, you're more vegetarian, right? Um, well, at, at, the, the time? at the time I wasn't. Okay. No, at the time I was, I wanted like my tasty, good Italian food. Oh, so you couldn't really get that. Italians are very picky f- with food anywhere <laughs> they go. It's, it's really difficult to settle anywhere. Okay. Exactly because of food. But um, yeah, the food was a big issue. And then uh, I was probably maybe missing a little bit home. Mm. So after a year I came back, but then... You mean you went back to Italy? I went to back to Italy. Yeah. yeah, I went back to Italy for like a couple of months. Uh-huh. But there was this thing inside me that was... It was... You were just restless. You had to... I couldn't... Travel again. Yeah. I had to go somewhere again. And uh, and I still didn't... This this thing, I, did, I didn't learn English. Um, it was bagging me so much. So I said, what, what is that, like the closest place? That speaks Where English? Go. They yeah, can learn English. Okay. I can learn English. I was like, London. Yeah. So I just uh, packed my bags. A week later, I was in London. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. I only booked my flight. I only booked accommodation. I already had three interviews. I found inter- life, I found jobs online. Yeah. I had already three interviews and by the first week I already had a job. Wow. Yeah, yeah. it was I was really brave. Yeah, yeah. I are. look back at somebody else. <laughs> like it, it feels like it wasn't even me and I was like, "Wow, did I really do all of those stuff?" Like that was so brave for I was at the time I was 20. So, so yeah, and then uh then So what kind of job did you um, I, well, I obviously wasn't speaking English yet, so yeah. I was working in a hotel as hotel. a bar back, and okay. then slowly, when I started to learn English a little bit, I went in front, so I was bartending. Okay. And then after oh. bartending, I step up into like a more uh, nice cocktail bar in uh, in a five star hotel. And then did you know how? What do you call it? No. Did you know about? No, no. you should learn no. while you were there <laughs> bartending. That's yeah. so awesome. You're learning all these new things. 
things. Like, I think my secret is just to pretend I know how to do things. <laughs> oh, okay. So I think confidence. You think that's the way to go? I think I think that's a good way to go. Yeah, because if you just pretend to know how to do things and just like get yourself informed on the moment, like my my motto is: if somebody offers you a job and you don't know how to do it, just say yes, and then you learn later how to do it. Oh, but you, but aren't you afraid that in in between you get scolded, you get rebuked? You know, they'll throw. Things that you're saying, like, you know, but you say you know how to do it. How come you don't know how to do it? I don't think we're talking about any rocket science. So I think anything that it's creative, manual, and uh, like something that's quite easy to learn in, in, a, okay. in a day or two or in a week or in a month. Okay, you're a fast learner. Yeah, yeah. I'm a fast learner, but I'm also very creative and, um, and very active. Oh. So if it's something to do like, oh, something a big responsibilities like mixing chemicals together then I would say no okay no let's not get into that troubles but okay. uh, when it's something like creative I definitely like and I and I learn a lot just by watching people doing it mm-hmm. I literally learned um, like hairdressing uh. all the right movements and all the right kind of uh, way to be a hairdresser just by looking at the hairdresser how she was she was uh, doing my hair. Uh-huh. So just by looking, I kind of, I have a very big photographic memory. Uh, so yeah. I visualize and I kind of repeat. Mm. So that's probably a good thing to have. It, it definitely is because I know I, I've got a picture of memory too, but mm. that's directions. Like oh, okay. I'm, I'm better with directions than my husband, you know, driving in a car. So yeah, I'm also very good with orientation and directions. Yeah. So that's that's a big actual uh, point when you're traveling, especially by oh, yourself. Oh, that is true. Because you know, I'm sure you're like me. Is that you've only been to a new place once, and you can almost remember how absolutely. to get back there. Yes, right? absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. That helps. Wow. Still, you're. You just seem to me a very brave woman. But yeah, I, guess it goes I was for all very Italian brave. Women. I was very brave. and uh, <laughs> But I never been academical. That's one downside of me. That f- that's for sure. I never been academical. I never been a big study girl. Well, um, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, you we're know, all different. Learn, so we yeah. all take different paths. Right. You just learn from life. You know, you exactly. learn things that are not taught in school. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I definitely yeah. Um, I speak with a lot of people. Um, here in Taiwan, people are like very um, interested. In, in you know hearing my story and everything so okay. I have wait a l- you're jumping ahead okay, okay, uh, okay do you really want to talk about Taiwan already because we haven't finished talking about your, your oh, life okay. in London <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I right. want to go in chronological order sure sure how long were you in London it seems like you stayed there lo- ten longer years. ten years ten years yeah why why ten years compared to one year in Paris and then one year in Florida but London, you chose to stay for 10 well, years. Well, I didn't choose. She oh. chose me. Ah. London chose me. Yeah, yeah. that's for sure. Now, how so? Um, well, first of all, I met I met my ex-boyfriend. So I stayed in a relationship for over five years Okay, in uh, in London. And, um, and that was probably one of the biggest reasons why I stayed. But also, London is so fascinating. Yeah. London is full of cultures. London is full of different languages, different people, different colors, different everything. Huge opportunities to grow professionally and as a person as well. Mm. So um, it sucks you in. Uh-huh. And uh, it's like a perfect little paradise because oh. everything works very well. Everyone like is looked after by 
you know, different association, different like the government and stuff. Everything is pretty well done. I'm talking just about London, not UK or England in general, because Mm. London is super multicultural. In the next episode, Malarisa will talk about why she came to Taiwan. For In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin. Classic Shorts, poems and stories from Chinese literature. Welcome to Classic Shorts. Have you gone outside at night lately? If you have and looked up to the sky, you may have noticed that the moon is at its fullest and brightest just about now. Taiwan just celebrated the Moon Festival, which is timed on the lunar calendar when the moon is at its fullest and loveliest. Many poets have written about the moon and have personified it. Su Shi of the Song Dynasty writes about the full moon in his poem Prelude to Water Melody, translated by Ling Yitang. So round and clear With cup in hand I ask of the blue sky I do not know in the celestial sphere What name this festive night goes by I want to fly home Riding the air But fear the ethereal cold up there The jade and crystal mansions are so high Dancing to my shadow I feel no longer the mortal time. She rounds the vermilion tower, stoops to silk pad doors, shines on those who sleepless lie. Why does she, bearing us no grudge, shine upon our parting, reunion deny? But rare is perfect happiness. The moon does wax, The moon does wane, and so men meet and say goodbye. I only pray our life be long, and our souls together heavenward fly. another Chinese poem about the full moon. It's called Looking at the Moon and Thinking of One Far Away. 
It's written by Tang Dynasty poet Zhang Jiuling. In addition to being a notable poet in the Tang Dynasty, he was also a prominent minister and scholar of the time. Now, this poem was written when he was demoted, and he expresses how much he misses his families or loved ones on a night with a full moon. He writes, The moon grown full now over the sea, brightening the whole of heaven, brings to separated hearts the long thoughtfulness of night. It is no darker, though, I blow out my candle. It is no warmer, though, I put on my coat. So I leave my message with the moon and turn to my bed, hoping for dreams. And we end today with one more poem about thinking of a loved one on a moonlit evening. This is by Du Fu. It's called A Moonlit Evening. Tonight when the moon is over Fuzhou, she will be watching all alone in her room. I pity my small children far away who don't even know what to miss Chang'an. Her cloud-like hair is dampened by the fragrant mists. In radiant light, her jade-white arms grow chill. When shall we side by side lean from the window? All traces of these tears in moonlight vanished. I hope you get a chance to enjoy the full moon this time of year. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Listen! Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Hey, what are those buttons on RTI's new website for? Those are for Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. You can share RTI content with the click of a button. You mean like this? Yep, just like that. Visit english.rtr.org.tw. You're listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. 
I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Taiwan celebrated its 109th National Day on Saturday. The theme for this year's National Day is Proud of Taiwan. What does that entail? Let's take a closer look. BMX bikes and traditional Taiwanese glove puppetry. These are just some of the things that will be featured at Taiwan's National Day celebrations on October 10th. The design concept for this year's celebration uses warmer colors like gold and orange to reflect pride and honor. That's in keeping with the theme, Proud of Taiwan. The head of the National Day Committee, Yoshi Kun, says that Taiwan has a lot of things to be proud of this year. For one, it's gained international recognition for its success in dealing with COVID-19. So what's in store for the National Day Ceremony? Performances by indigenous groups, elite military squads, and high school marching bands. Not enough, you say? There will also be helicopters, motorcycles, and jet fighters. 2020 has been a tough year for Taiwan and for the world. But this year on National Day, the focus will be on the many reasons for being proud of Taiwan. Leslie Liao, RTI News. Over the past few years, students from the Taiwan-based China Medical University have been invited to be goodwill ambassadors on National Day. This year is no exception. To qualify to be a goodwill ambassador on National Day, which is October 10th, each of the 25 medical school students has received 120 hours of training in international etiquette. They are responsible to serve foreign dignitaries, so excellent language skills are a must. This student says good morning in Thai, Hindi, Spanish, and French. As medical school students, in addition to first aid training, they have also been trained in performing cardiopulmonary resuscitation, or CPR, and using an automated external defibrillator, or AED. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, a student said they will wear face masks on National Day to protect themselves and those around them. And we have some good news from Taipei 101, the landmark skyscraper in downtown Taipei. The tower is the centerpiece of Taiwan's most extravagant New Year fireworks display. And despite the continued specter of COVID-19 elsewhere in the world, this year's year-end display is still on. Has 2020 felt like a slow descent into madness? Well, hold on just a few more months, because Taiwan is about to send the year off with a bang. The COVID-19 pandemic has forced many cities around the world to cancel their New Year celebrations. But Taiwan's success in keeping the pandemic at bay means that the festivities in Taipei can go ahead. Many of the details have yet to be worked out. The team behind the Taipei 101 Skyscraper's year-end fireworks show held off on announcing whether the show would go on until earlier this week. This means that a design team hasn't yet been chosen. But what is known is that the fireworks display will be synchronized with a light show, as in the past few years. And it's also been announced that the display will be kept at 300 seconds in length. Hopefully, the display will usher in a happier, less Kafka-esque year. John Van Trieste, RTI News. 
This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. Seraya is one of the many indigenous tribes of Taiwan, but it hasn't been officially recognized by the government. That's why the Tourism Bureau decided to make a video to promote the exceptional beauty of the place where the Seraya people dwell. The Seraya National Scenic Area was established 15 years ago. Still, a lot of people have not heard of the place. So the administration decided to spend two years producing a video to capture the beauty of Saraya and share it with the world. The video was released on September 29th. The Saraya National Scenic Area is the last of the 13 National Scenic Areas to be established in Taiwan. It is also the only one named after an indigenous tribe. Though the tribe has not been officially recognized yet, it was made into a national administrative area in 2005 for the richness of its culture, ecology, and agriculture. Saraya has seven beautiful reservoirs, the highest number of any national scenic area in Taiwan. This includes Hutoupi Reservoir, which is the reservoir with the longest history in Taiwan, and Taiwan's largest reservoir, the Zhenwen Reservoir. Besides the breathtaking landscape, Saraya is also famous for its annual festivals such as the Taiwan Cycling Festival. People can also go there to enjoy muddy hot springs and delicious local produce such as mangoes, longans, and lotus seeds. Shirley Lin, RTI News. Taiwan's first international dark sky park is in Hehuanshan, a dark sky park guarantees that visitors can get a view of the night sky free from light pollution. When you hear about Mount Hehuan, you might think about people climbing it like these kids here. It's one of the most popular hiking destinations in Taiwan. It's also one of the few places in the country and often the first each winter to get a dusting of snow. Hehuansan is located in the central mountain range. It stretches laterally across the island, straddling the divide between Nantou and Hualien counties. There are plenty of great reasons to visit Hehuansan, but if you need one more, it's now home to Taiwan's very first international dark sky park, just in time for the Moon Festival. A dark sky park means that the surrounding area is free from light pollution, and that makes it the perfect place for stargazing, or, in keeping with the holiday spirit, looking at the moon. As you might imagine, a dark sky park has to be, well, dark. That's why these lights, which were installed to help people see where they're going, had to later be removed. It's a small price to pay to protect this perfect view of the night sky. Leslie Liao, RTI News. To get the Taiwanese people out of the house and exercising more in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, the Tourism Bureau is organizing a month-long event for cycling lovers in central Taiwan. What normally would have been two separate events, the Music and Fireworks Festival and the Cycling Festival, have been combined into one big event in central Taiwan. The Tourism Bureau is calling it Come Bike Day. 
It starts on October 8th and will go through November 21st at the picturesque Sun Moon Lake. The event will open with a group wedding of 30 couples. The wedding will be held on sea, land, and air. The couples will enjoy a boat ride on the lake, a ride on a love bus, and a ride in a cable car. There will also be a new cycling competition with a new route. The race will be from Sun Moon Lake to Tataka near Ali Mountain in southwestern Taiwan. There will also be a marathon, on foot that is, around the lake, four big fireworks shows and music concerts. And since Sun Moon Lake is well known for its black tea, there will be many activities to promote local black tea culture as well. Shirley Lin, RTI News. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist. For Radio Taiwan International, I'm Paula Chow. Bye-bye. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. If you have any comments or suggestions about our programs, you can email us at rti at rti.org.tw. Zhang Lichen, he is actually a doctor degree of calligraphy field. Everything the artists try to express is kicking out of box and then uh, not stick with the traditional skill, but also put the calligraphy skill into this uh, graphic design. Hello and welcome to this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Miss Quan Pai Chen, or known as Quan Chen, the founder of Story Wear, a zero-waste fashion brand in Taiwan, said COVID-19 has caused a great impact on fashion industry, especially fast fashion. She said the public should also seriously think about the concept of zero-waste fashion. The pandemic has not affected her company that much as what they provide is custom-made clothing, which they create one piece that comes in one size. Currently, Quan Chen said she works with a renowned Taiwanese artist, Zhang Li Quan, who paints and writes in calligraphy. To find out more, we are joined today by Quan Chen, the founder of Storywear. Quan, in last year's Taipei Fashion Week, Vogue FNO, they introduced zero fashion brand Storywear. Now, does mm. that help raise the awareness of zero waste fashion? Oh, I think it does. Uh, since like back in well in Asia, I don't think that many people are aware of uh, sustainable fashion is a key in the fashion industry. But after that, and after the pandemic happened, 
everybody start to thinking about well the you know the sustainability in fashion industry is quite important so after the fashion show people quite amazed that uh there's such thing actually exists like zero waste fashion this turn in in the industry about a year ago we did uh, a topic and interview with you and we talked about the fashion industry and we know <laughs> that the fashion industry is the second most polluting industry in the world after oil and mm-hmm. this year you hope to recreate what has been used uh, such as bags and clothing to give them a new life can you tell us more about your idea uh, for our brand like we dedicate for everything we make is out of as a upcycle design so well everything we use as resource or fabric is all secondhand or it's a stock uh, cut-off waste textile. So we determined to do that for you know our entire life. So we still continue to do that. But last year, we used uh, secondhand recycled jeans only. But this year, we're starting to cooperate with textile companies. So after the fashion show, actually, a lot of uh, textile companies, they contact us since they have so many uh, stock waste. So the cut-off uh, or death stock fabric, they don't know where to go. Usually they just burn it. So they kind of donate it to us and, you know, cooperate with us uh, into our collection. So this year we mix with this kind of fabric and also denim together to create our collection. Mm-hmm. You talked about denim. I think uh, denim has been uh, maybe your favorite, bringing the memory back of what you or your beloved Whereas it's one of your ideas, you talked about how a denim yeah. shirt you didn't want anymore and your father's Cerruti 1881 suit come mm. to life again. Now, can you tell us more? Yeah, so for the key uh, last year fashion show, we did this a story wear piece. So it's a true story wear uh, design. Whereas we combine two clothing together. So uh, uh, since my my father passed away a few years ago, so I, I always want to keep him around. But since, you know, he only wears suits, so I just combined this, uh, his suit jacket with my shirt together. And people quite touching about the story. And um, many people came to us that they want to do some piece about that too. So we create this campaign that we actually can make a, a story where for, um, uh, a customized kind of uh, method to our audience, but since we're only a startup company, we cannot do it uh, too too many. So we had this crowdfunding event online. So we do this uh, just custom made a uh, few limited uh, uh, edition for for a few people only. Mm-hmm. Every yes. brand normally has around. 10 to 30 percent unsold stock and every product at least comes in three sizes and two colors if you go shopping but Mm -hmm. story wear has less than one percent unsold stock how do you manage to achieve that well it's quite difficult actually but uh it's it's really challenging but uh we kind of determined to do unisex and also only uh, one size uh three size for each gender. So we, for the female, actually it's quite uh, fun to, to do that. Uh, when we create this one piece of design, uh, we usually create two sizes, one for men, one for 
female or woman. And so that would be two size. So only two size that's suitable for two gender. That's our uh, strategy. And also we kind of um, custom made in, in a way. So every online order, we usually, when we receive the order and we start making it, the reason we can be this flexible, like, you know, more flexible than others is because our production line is actually working really closely with the local tellers. So they they cannot accept massive production uh, uh, orders. They can only do small orders. So that, that, that kind of link us together that we can do this kind of custom-made uh, kind of method uh, for to fulfill the needs. Mm-hmm. Custom-made, limited availability, that's your strategy. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Underline, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Today, I'm speaking with Ms. Kwan Pai Chan, or Kwan Chan, the founder of Storywear, a zero-waste fashion brand in Taiwan. You also mentioned that jeans cannot be worn uh, by Afu, a member of a Taiwanese pop uh, group, uh, so they're green. So it can be turned into a vest worn by the mayor of Taipei City, Ke Wenche. Can you talk about this idea? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we had this uh, zero waste uh, musical festival with Afu. So he's really determined for him. It's more like uh, he, he thinks the music industry is overloaded. And he want to create this uh, free movement for musicians to have this platform to perform on the stage, but also uh, execute this zero waste lifestyle in the in the festival. So we co-op together, and the mayor was the kind of the representative for the for the event. So since the mayor, he doesn't really wear jeans at all, so he doesn't have any jeans. And we were talking about that. Uh, maybe you can have your wife's jeans or your your you know other people's jeans. But he's like, no, nobody's wearing jeans in the family. <laughs> so we use office jeans to tailor-made this clothing with, with for, for the mayor. And we actually gonna do that again this year for the 2020 uh, Taipei Fashion Week as well. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Taipei Fashion Week. Uh, since the founding of Storywear in 2017, the Taipei Fashion Week in 2019, you became the designer. Would you say that you are the only one in Taiwan that's been involved in zero waste fashion? I think a lot of people do that uh, as an individual studio, and um, but uh, it's, it's really difficult to do zero waste fashion, uh, especially. Um, I think I'm the only one that go into, uh, put it into a business model for it. And a lot of people doing that uh, at home and then upcycle their own clothing to do that. But for Storywear, is, I think we are the only kind of retail uh, fashion brand that do that into this whole more, a little bit more scaled up kind of business for zero waste fashion. All the clothing products are handmade and uh, very well made in Taiwan. Can you discuss this, Quan? I think yeah. Since back in thirty years ago, Taiwan is a uh, you know it's a textile uh, OEM kind of country to do textile, and we still have a lot of tailors like that in Taiwan. But since you know the industry moved 
to overseas, people kind of people don't really have that that, that kind of uh, job for them to to survive in the market. So we we work really closely with different NGOs that are helping those uh, women to go go back into the to the career field. For for us, it's like we helping each other. Sounds like we are helping them, you know, work with the NGO, giving them orders for them to, in order to sustain. But for us, it's more like they are helping us too, because without them, we cannot really do this business model to have this more uh, kind of mass production in a way uh, to to survive. Mm-hmm. Help them to help us. That's a great yeah. idea. Now, mm. Quan, since the outbreak of the pandemic this year, all industries, including fashion industry, suffer loss. Now, what mm. impact does it have on your brand story wear, sustainable fashion? Mm. Well, uh, for the whole industry in the globe, uh, people suffer. A lot of people, like a really large company, they well, in you know, in New York or London, this sales decline around 70 to 80% for fashion industry. But for us, like a small company like us, we actually, since we're only growing up and not that, we, we don't really harm from the, this pandemic. And it's actually reminding people that uh, fast fashion is not, probably we, we should rethink about the concept of fast fashion. And then people starting to thinking about ethical uh, shopping behavior more. And I think it's helping the sustainable fashion industry to grow. But for us, well, the beginning of the year, we actually produce a lot of masks, the fabric mask, mask cover. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> and yeah, and, and but the, the end of year is quite challenging since we work really closely with a large company sustainable uh, departments in those companies and marketing cuts usually they they starting with a sustainable uh, department so mm. so we try to survive that's why we go on to crowdfunding and then to do more joint promotion with other brands now quant tell us the project you're working on right now the anti-war Zero Waste Story Where You work with a famous Chinese calligraphy painter Zhang Liquan Can you tell us about the idea behind this? Okay uh, Zhang Liquan He is actually a doctor degree Of uh, calligraphy uh, Field And he's been known since For 30, 40 years, 40 years And this is his, his own uh, uh, This year's show for him and they came to us, they really want to talk about the environment issue. So it's the global warming for them. In the calligraphy, there is a term called anti-war. And anti-war, this three-step is actually the fundamental of the calligraphy uh, skills, techniques. And it kind of sounds like a war, well, anti-war sounds like war in English. And it's more like they want to fight for global warming, and then everything the the artist ex- try to express is uh, bring you know go out of box, um, kicking out of box, and then uh, not stick with the traditional skill, but also put the calligraphy skill into this uh, graphic design or illustration, actually the illustration format. And then he wished to tell people that global warming actually exists. 
And for us, is uh, putting his uh, illustration, illustrator, into our collection. And then we have this still life uh, a display in, in the gallery as well. Mm-hmm. And you're also going to put this idea at the Taipei Fashion Week this year? Uh, we are not going for the Taipei Fashion Week. Uh, we're only making the clothing for mayor only. So, <laughs> and since I, I was in back in London for this, this four months, and that's why I couldn't really have the time to prepare for Fashion Week. <laughs> and we'll definitely join next week if there is no any, you know, virus or pandemic occurs again. Uh huh. So we've yeah. been joined uh, on the phone today by Ms. Kwan Pai Chan, or normally she's known as Kwan, the founder of Story Wear, a zero waste fashion brand here in Taiwan. And that's it for this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Have a goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.